Artcentric Podcast with Rafi and Klee. Hola, you amazing artist. It's Rafi and Klee. And today we're going to talk about when you're just not feeling it, when you're not feeling uh, the want, need, or uh, inspiration to create art. Indeed. And you're like, where are my muses? My muses have left me. <laughs> We've been uh, getting a lot of comments, and I know us ourselves have been feeling uh, a little bit, not, I don't want to say depleted, but a little bit uninspired to create stuff. Obviously, I'm I've been working on the book, so as far as creating, I you know, we've gotten in the habit of sitting down and like, okay, it's creation time. Time to fachunk this sucker. Yeah. Just get it started. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons why the possibility of not wanting to create something can, you know, come and just take over life. <laughs> or at least try to take a bite out of life. That's that's exactly what I meant to say. You said it so much more eloquently than I did. Why, thank you. For anybody listening to the recording of this, uh, this is actually a live podcast. And so we have our patrons here with us. And whenever they chime in, we'll read their comments as well. So they'll be part of the conversation that mm-hmm. we're having about not feeling it when it comes to art. Not feeling it, why you might not be feeling it, and what you can do about that. What are the best practices? We've tried them all, all that we can think of. I'll wake up in the morning or I have my week planned out for like what art projects I'm going to work on. I've got these commissions I'm going to do. I'm going to work on the book this day. And then I've got these other little art projects that I want to play with. And so I'll sit there and have my week planned out and get up and get started on my day. And maybe Monday starts and I'm like, yeah, today was a good day. Tomorrow's going to be even better. And then I go into Tuesday and I get a phone call early in the morning from somebody in my family with uh, some kind of drama or something going on. Oh, sure. Yeah. And it just kicks me out of gear external yeah influence yeah so like and there's so there's so many things that could go on because it could be internal influences Mm -hmm. that affect your creative mood it could be external influences that affect your creative mood it could be your environment yeah what's going on even with the weather sometimes i know that could have an impact especially when um, I'm already having a moment where I'm feeling kind of down and I'm like, oh, I'm just not feeling, you know, like that voice sets in that is like, just not feeling creative. I just want to go to bed. I just want to blah, 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 you know, or I wish I was trying to create something or I just don't feel creative enough to do anything or I'm not smart. I don't know. Something, something like that. Like anything could come up to the surface and all of a sudden you're like, it, it just feels like. The world is where then at that point, that's when you look outside and it's like all cloudy and dismal. Everything seems just slightly dinge. And the thing is that like it could be somebody giving you a call. It could be uh, news. Man, in the beginning of this pandemic, like because we were paying attention to the media more than usual, I know that at some point I ended up doom scrolling, made it a habit of doom scrolling in the very early morning. And so, like, by the time I got into the studio, I was like, oh, I don't I don't I don't feel very creative. Like, what's the point? I think was the biggest thing that would happen to me when I was doom scrolling. Yeah, I I felt I fell prey to doom scrolling also and the existential crises that come along with it. Does it even matter? Does it even matter what I'm doing? We've been getting a lot of messages and I know that we've dealt with this, too, where um, 
like you look back and like two weeks have gone by and you haven't really created anything and you're like where am i yeah where what, what is going on right now and a lot of times for me i know that if i'm not uh if i'm not creating something right if i'm not working on something because obviously my motto is like create something every day it doesn't matter what it is even if it's a sketch a poem uh, a short haiku about how you're doing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anything like that. If you're if because I know that I want to keep myself on my toes and creative every day, I try to make it a point to create something every day. And it doesn't have to be like, you know, obviously I'm a painter, but it doesn't have to be a painting. It could be like, oh, let me rebuild this section of this or let me build something here. Or, let mm-hmm. me improve on this by adding a shelf here to me like that's adding and creating every single day. So as long as you're doing something, something creative with your hands every day, it's fine. But there are days really where, like I said, the impacts are, it could be overwhelm, feeling a sense of overwhelm. A lot of times for me, it's overwhelm. Like I, cause I have this propensity to think like, okay, all the things that I need to do or want to do, I got to do them all in a day or I got to do them all this week. And there's this sense of urgency that's really like it's just entirely made up by me most of the time. Like, obviously, with orders and commissions, there's a reasonable amount of time that you you and the person who commissioned agree upon. But like a lot of times I go overboard and self-impose like ridiculous deadlines. So do you. Yeah. And that can easily lead to overwhelm. I'm a big fan of setting deadlines. Yeah. Right. Now, I am also a big fan of setting deadlines in a way where, uh, you know, I'm giving myself almost an impossible deadline. It's not the deadline in of itself. It is the sense that if you miss the deadline, then you're a failure. Right. Right. And I think I think that that comes more from social programming than anything else, because if deadlines were flexible and loose, where like you knew I want to get this thing done, I'm hoping to get it done by this time. If you don't have the pressure of if I don't get it done by this time, then A, it doesn't get done. B, I get in trouble. C, I'm a loser or any of that stuff. Then Mm -hmm. there's a big difference because you're going to try everything you can to, you know, get it done. But then if you don't, it's okay. You just move the deadline. I forget who said this, but I remember watching like a documentary or an interview with someone who was really successful. And they basically said like, here's how I use deadlines. When something is conceptual and sort of foggy and it's still in the like, like you have to invent every step along the way, deadlines are less useful because they put limitations on your ability to expand on your ideas. Right. When you know uh, steps A through Z, uh, and you just need to like execute the mission, right? right. That's where deadlines are incredibly useful because they keep you on task, right? Exactly. But for a lot of creatives, when you're when you're not sure exactly what you're gonna do, like deadlines should be taken very loosely. I feel like I mean it, they should be taken loosely, even if you know what you're gonna do. And that's the thing, like I don't start on a project, on you know, with a project unless I already know. Not know what I'm going to create, but where it's fuzzy. There are times where my idea for painting is still fuzzy up until the very last stages of the painting. Sure. You know, like it's it's basically a collaboration between me and whatever creative muse 
uh is within me or outside of me or whatever like it's it's like this collaboration project but there are times where like something is so fuzzy that there's nowhere that i could start and in that case there's no point in setting a deadline right and i think the trick there is okay well if a deadline's not going to be a useful thing then making an agreement with yourself to work on it a little bit maybe every day yeah or in whatever uh time blocks are reasonable for you and and really at that point it's just giving yourself the end goal like okay well i want to get this done by by this time uh once you get that idea going there and i and i think it's it's that directionless is also something that could give you a you could zap your creativity like where you just don't feel creative is mm-hmm. when you're feeling directionless and that's something that's really easy especially for artists to run into because a lot of times we lose we lose a sense of what it is that we're doing right because you get so wrapped up in a project or you get so wrapped up in certain things that you forget the outside world and the motivator for a long time for you and I our motivator and our deadline was the fact that we were doing shows every single weekend yeah. so i wanted to have artwork i wanted to have new artwork that i was excited about so every week it was like boom 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 working on new pieces that i was excited about that i wanted to show people on that next week. So yeah. we spent a lot of time doing that. Having a show or an exhibition is definitely an external motivator. Oh, yeah. Deanne had said doom scrolling, hard not to do, but detrimental. Yeah. Yeah. Deanne, <laughs> doom scrolling, not a good thing. Doom scrolling really took a bite out of me. And the thing is that I tend to stay away from watching the news. I figure if there's anything really important, I'm going to hear about it some way, some some form, you know, I'm going to hear about it. But as far as like going into like the daily, whatever, uh, whatever news outlets out there are scouring the world to try and get people to watch. Um, that's, that's where I'm like, I don't want to be a part of that daily dose of, um, the daily blood. Yeah. The daily dose of doom. When I got my first award from Luna gallery, we watched a talk and the woman, she's a humanitarian and she goes all around the world and helps uh, women in need. And her husband works for a media outlet. He's uh, he works for the news and uh, she made a comment. It was just kind of a, like a side comment where she's talking to uh, where she was saying something to her husband. And she's like, I really wish you guys would just calm it down instead of like putting so much doom and gloom out there and uh, she's like, but I get it, you know, because they need the ratings. And I thought that was so insightful, that that little tiny bit of a comment. It's like, OK, so the majority of the news that you watch is for the ratings. Oh, yeah. You know, so like the the more uh, ah, you can make it, the more people are going to watch, so the more ratings you get. And I think it's worth talking about because I honestly went into the whole doom scrolling process during 2020 and I actually like convinced myself that it was not going to have any effects. Like I could totally do this. Right. Tricked myself into thinking I need to be daily informed. And it took a toll and it took the kind of toll where I didn't even realize it until like months in. Right. And I was like, oh, I, I don't really feel like my usual self. And it's months later. Yeah. I mean, I went through the I went through the same thing. You had gotten to a point where you were like waking up in the morning and you had emails sent to you from the, you know, and you were like reading them because, you know, we were trying to keep track of what was going on with the pandemic. But Mm -hmm. along with that comes all the 
all the drama. Yeah. All the drama. And it just, and you're looking at the world and, and it's easy to feel like things are getting bleak. Right. Mm -hmm. And it, and it's interesting because like all it takes is maybe taking a walk around your neighborhood, waving at your neighbors who are in their front yards or like seeing somebody uh, walking downtown and seeing somebody and waving at them and, and seeing people smiling and having conversations and stuff like that to realize that like, Oh, the world is not so doom and gloom. Yes. Right? These are pockets of things that happen here and there that are just horrible. And you touched on something great there because often when you think about the world as the whole, you know, and something, something or some things difficult are going on. Uh, it's often interacting with one person yeah. or a small group of people that can bring you back to that place of like, okay, okay, yeah. people, people are good. Little by little in the beginning of the month. And I think I went along the same lines of, oh, well, I could, I could keep up with things. This and, is and, fine. You know, this is fine. And then by the end of the month and into month two, I was not creating anything. I could not sit down and write. And obviously at that point in time, some of the content that I was writing about in the book had a lot to do with, uh, you know, if if a media company, if a news company is trying to get an audience, right, because they need their ratings so that they have more ad advertisers on there and they're making more money. A lot of the news that they present, they present it in a marketing way. And so and it's not good. It, it doesn't have a good impact on society. It's not like we're just watching the news just to keep updated. Right. Yeah. Um, there's a reason why uh, tragedy and uh, divided thinking and all that stuff is d brings in the high ratings, because as human beings, we have we have that those sections of our brain that want to we need to stay informed because we want to protect ourselves. Yeah. And not to tangent off. But I mean, it's even happening with the weather apps these days. Yes, like, exactly. Even when there's no weather related things going on and you start seeing things like how early will hurricane season start this year? Dun, yeah. dun, dun, and I'm like, chill out. Yeah. And especially with the words, words are so powerful. Words and word meanings are so powerful. So like a lot of times the weather app was like hurricane devastates, da, 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 da. Ravages. You know, yeah. yeah. Ravages, devastates. There was no death. One building got destroyed, an old barn that was falling apart. And I'm like, what is the point? What is the point of doing this? And the point is to getting, keep you engaged, to keep you engaged and yeah. to get ratings. So there's that. Um, and we talked about overwhelm. So those kind of things can go hand in hand, especially when you're really trying to get stuff done and you're yeah. also engaged in doom scrolling or you're inundated by that. Like um, overwhelm is the next logical feeling there. Yeah, because at that point. <laughs> you are already preoccupied with a bunch of stuff that mm -hmm. you're hearing and you're thinking about. Right. And then on top of that, you, it's almost like you feel, you know, because you're feeling down. Right. Yeah. And and that's the thing, like whenever something kind of gets you down and here you are in our case, I could only really talk about like myself in this situation, but then in this case, like I'm about to film a video where I want to inspire people. These videos are based on my life and based on how I feel about the world and stuff like that, you know, and it's hope and empowerment and all this stuff. And I just spent an entire month and a half being dragged down the doom hole, yeah, you know, no me gusta. Yeah. And then all in, in all of a sudden, I just don't feel hopeful. Right. 
I don't feel light. I don't feel like, uh, like creating. And that has an impact on everything I create, whether it's a video or like I'm working on a piece of art. My art has a lot to do with beauty and empowerment. You don't want to lay paint to canvas when you're in that place. Yeah. And it's not even that I, that I don't want to, it's that I can't. Right. Because I just suddenly you sit there and you can feel like, what is the point? What is what is the point to any of this? What is the point to what I'm doing? And in that process, through overwhelm, through doom scrolling, through, you know, and all it takes is a family member to call with their own drama. You know, like my my mom called my my mom and I have uh, obviously opposing views when it comes to just about Lots everything. Of things, yeah. yeah. So like she'll call and she's got something going on you know, where she's uh, ruminating about something to do with someone else and she'll call and just add to it. And at that point, it's almost like you feel yourself get broken. It's easy to get into a place. And I know that I've been in these places before that are very dark where suddenly you just, you're like, what is the point to any of this? Yeah. The only real way that you could get yourself out of that place is to throw in a pattern interrupt because essentially what that is, it's this pattern being yeah. formed and growing. Let's talk about that because a couple of our rogues uh, are having some really serious stuff going on with family, yeah, um, with uh, with health issues, uh, with just situations that are bad and and sometimes like one after the other, right? Like right. rapid fire drama that's like external and it's happening, whether they like it or not. We've all been there, right? Whether it's um, family drama, like they're just bringing you their their rants, right? Or or there's something really serious going on. And And one of our rogues had said, you know, that they were finding it difficult to do anything but the basics. And my reply to that was like, well, I think you've got uh, a good plan there, though, uh, yeah. to just... A lot of times when stuff like that is going on, uh, just doing basic things can be your pathway back to good, back to you. Right. Um, Like you said, uh, maybe I'm just going to reorganize this little space over here. For me, I'm like, maybe I'm just going to put away these materials and organize my bench. Or maybe I'm just going to make a chain, cut a chain to the length I need it. You know, not like heavy creative work. Right. Yeah. But just the basics. Maybe I'm going to mop the floor. I've told you this before where I'm like, I don't feel like doing anything today. Right. Yeah. And it's interesting because deep down, I know that it's impossible to not do anything. You're always doing something. If you're sitting down and you're staring at the wall, you are sitting down and staring at the wall. You're doing something. Yeah. It, unless you blink out of existence, it is impossible to do nothing. And even if you blink out of existence, you're still doing something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so like you have to you have to be able to acknowledge those moments and and not repeat to yourself, I, I'm not doing anything because there's there's usually a lot of dark emotion attached to that. So even if you're like there's a difference between saying I'm not doing anything because at that point it's like it feels more like you're giving up versus saying, you know what, I'm gonna I'm going to sit outside and look at the clouds. Mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to grab a beer and I'm going to go and sit and and look at the ocean all day. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm going to do. I began calling it my staring times uh, last year. It's like, I'm going to have a staring out the window block of time. Yeah. Like that's what I'm doing right now. That's what I want to do. Deanne said human emotions can be easily triggered, either positive or negative. 
hard to keep or find control. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, it's not, it's not about controlling the emotions because we've got so many triggers, so many things that could uh, make us feel good, make us feel bad. The thing is for me, it's like understanding that I can respond to the emotion, Mm -hmm. right? So like, even if it is after the case, it could be an entire day where I'm like, you know, like just down in dumps about something and understanding that there's going to come a point where I have that realization of, wait a second, how am I going to respond to this? What is my perspective going to be? And I, and I did a video recently uh, for the patrons where I talked about that. And I think that there was, for some, there was a little bit of confusion because I feel like uh, in the video, I was like, I get to choose. I get to respond. However it is that I want to feel, I get to choose. And I think that because I used the word feel, that feel got in there, that that it meant that I could control my feelings. Uh, rather than control what you do with them. My perspective. Yeah. That I could I could look at something, I could consciously look at something from a different perspective and rewrite the narrative of what it means to me. And so, and that's that's what I do. Whenever something like that, when I remember now, while I was doom scrolling and honestly, most of 2020, I completely forgot. How to do that, how to do this, because I was so wrapped up in my emotions that I spent days doing that. But like just the idea of standing there and saying, you know what, I get to choose, I get to decide how I feel. And by feel, I mean how I'm going to look at this, how I'm going to approach this. And honestly, that comes from uh, 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 Victor Franco's book. We get so used to thinking that we're controlled by our emotions, but in actuality, our emotions are ours. And you feel something, you know, obviously you feel sad, you feel angry, you feel something when something comes up. But then there is that moment right after you feel it where you get to choose and decide how you're going to deal with it. How am I going to handle this? Mm-hmm. And it's when we forget that we end up going into a place of overwhelm, going into a place where suddenly, you know, if you're not feeling creative, chances are you're not feeling creative because it's like you're down. I, I and, and I could only speak for myself. I don't want to make that assumption for everyone, but I know that when I am not creating something or I don't feel like creating something, it's because I feel like I'm down. Yeah. Usually the case for me too. So I'll look at Klee and I'll be like, I just don't feel like doing anything. And now I'll list off all the excuses on why I don't feel like doing, I, I just, you know, I feel kind of sore and feel a little bit headachey and just tired. I don't think I slept very well last night. And then there's this whole list of stuff. And like, I hear myself saying it. I'm like, you know what you're doing right now, right? You you know, (laughs) you're asking permission to just chill. And in those moments, you know, the thing about it is like, I also am not going to sit there and force myself or call myself names. So like, I know for me, when I'm in that place, it's just doing something. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's not even doing something creative. It's just doing anything. So like sometimes I'll get up and I'll wash the dishes, right? Because then there's that little bit of that that sense of accomplishment after you do that. And then from there, maybe I'll vacuum the floor. I'll tidy up the studio. I'll make our bed. I'll do something like that. And it just, it's funny how... When I think about that stuff, because the option is either I'm sitting there telling myself that I'm not doing anything and that's inertia. And I feel like inertia is the thing that can really drain you. Jason said, I'm listening while cleaning my bathroom. Yeah, that's perfect. (laughs) 
One of the best things I did recently, not just recently, I've done this over, I, sometimes I forget to do it, but like I woke up grouchy, not that like I was just grouchy. And instead of just being grouchy and just sitting in it, it was like, I call it zooming the camera out. I don't, I think you could define it numerous different ways, but I third person observed myself yeah, and said to you, I'm grouchy, but like from a neutral place, like I pulled myself out of that and said, okay, I'm grouchy. Can I define exactly when grouchy set in? Can I define the moment where my energy shifted from like neutral or good to like, I'm, I'm in a bad mood. And it was like almost being analytical about it and observing it from the outside allowed me to stay out of the downward spiral. Right. And I was actually able to say, oh, it was actually this moment where I became grouchy. Like it started the downward trend. Oh, okay. And then that, that sort of shed some light on it. And I was like, okay, that makes sense of it for me. I don't, I'm deciding that I don't need to feel grouchy. Like I just reacted without uh, really thinking about it in that moment. So it's like taking that third person perspective also. Yeah, definitely. Zooming the camera out is usually what causes me to take a step towards something else. Yeah. Right. And, and you know, it depends because some people are very practiced at zooming the camera out. Mm -hmm. Some people not so much, but they'll experience it in those moments. You know, it's kind of like where, uh, you know, you're driving home and you're in the car and you're crying, right? Because you just got your heart broken for the first time and you're sobbing and you're crying and and it just feels like everything is going bad and you had an argument with your parents and like you're not doing well in school and you're just crying and crying and crying and it just feels like everything is so bad. And then next thing you know, you just burst out into laughter because you're like, it can't get any worse. And at that moment, you've like zoomed out yeah. From that moment that when, you know, not that I experienced that in particular, no, none of us have no, clearly. No. So like, but, but I, whenever I've had an experience like that, it almost happens automatically where like you snap, you snap out of it automatically. And, and then some of us are able to do it to varying degrees at certain points. So like spending that entire time doom scrolling, right. For an entire month, like basically I had slowly but surely formed the habit over 30 days where I'd wake up in the morning. And first thing I did was look at my phone and take a look and see what the recent news was on whatever was going on. Mm -hmm. Right. So instead of like focusing on my day and saying like, okay, well today, what, what, what awesome, amazing, you know, the question, the morning question of like, what awesome adventure am I going to do today? And by awesome adventure, it could be anything. It could be like, I'm going to vacuum the floor, you know, like whatever it is where you just, you get yourself convinced that you're excited about whatever it is that you're going to do and the deeper meaning behind it. Right. So it's like, I'm going to wash the dishes because then that is going to put the entire environment at peace, cleanliness, and beauty, you know, like, sure. And so like you, you set off on these mini adventures and on those days I feel very inspired. I'm excited. I'm doing stuff. It's when I forget to do that, where instead of having that habit just persist, then all of a sudden I start forming a new habit of like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to, I want to look and see what's going on. Then the next morning, you know, let me check and see what's going on. And then you do it for like seven days and it's already a habit. Mm -hmm. And so every morning you start doing it. And then by the end of the month, it's just completely solidified. And at this point, it's it's not just like five minutes worth of looking. Now you're like doom scrolling and you're doing all this stuff because you build on top of the habits that you already have. 
right? Which is why when you're already doing that, then it's hard to break out of it. Yes. Because you have to take the baby steps to form a new habit to replace that habit in the first place. Yeah. Uh, it, and which is oftentimes better to do than making a hard turn. Yeah. We all know how hard turns go. Yeah. Especially when people, I'm not a big fan of like when, when people do the thing where they give themselves the ultimatums, you know, mm-hmm. where they where you know, and some people are good with that because they've, They've got what they call like uh, willpower or ironclad will. will. And honestly, it's just a really hard way to do it, but it can be done that way. But I like the idea of introducing something to replace the habit that you want to replace. For example, if you get up in the morning and you're doom scrolling, right, and that's that's what you're doing, you're going to feel a need. There's going to be... a void, a void, a vacuum. Yeah. A vacuum is going to get formed by the old habit that you want to replace and you have to fill it with something else. So maybe a baby step would be like consuming something more positive, like a podcast series, for example, yeah. or even a, an uplifting board panda article instead of doom scrolling. Yeah, exactly. Because with that vacuum, that's one of the reasons that you see a lot of people either relapse into mm-hmm. something when they have like a particular addiction or they replace one addiction for another or something like that because you have to be very conscious of the vacuum that you leave whenever you are replacing something with something. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to doing that stuff in a studio where it's easy to get overwhelmed, if you don't take a look at that and say, okay, well, the overwhelm is coming because I feel this and this and this, and how do I replace that with something that is a little bit more empowering? And it doesn't mean that you're never going to feel overwhelmed or that you're never going to feel like, you know, they're feelings. We have feelings. That's We're going to have all the feelings. That's That's the whole... That's the beauty of having the human experience. Yeah, I was going to say that's kind of the point. I would actually be kind of upset about it if I didn't get to experience the full array of human emotions I mean, and I would never disacknowledge uh, and I would never not acknowledge any feeling that I was having. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing, it's not ignoring the feelings and it's not pushing the feelings away. It's acknowledging that the feelings there, I feel really bad about this. What can I do to feel a little bit better? How can I look at this in a different way? And it doesn't mean that the sadness goes away or it doesn't mean that, there's no relevance to the feeling. If you're angry about something, obviously you're angry about something. And in that case, like I would try to replace the anger with empowerment, which means that I'm still pissed, right? Like you're just going to use that power for good. Yeah. I'm going to use that power to empower myself and be like, no, I don't. When you're feeling victimized, you have the option to take a look at the same situation and say, okay, What can I do here to feel empowered? And sometimes it is standing up for yourself. Sometimes it is getting the freck away from whatever it is that is causing the the disempowerment and victimhood. Or three, it is uh, calling the police. Sure. You know, so like, but it's, it's a sense of saying, I am willing to take control of my life back and I have a voice and I get to choose and I get to decide because this is my life. When I start falling into like a doom scrolling or whatever like that, that anytime that I'm in a negative place, it's going to activate the overwhelm because at that point, anything in my life, whether it is 
oh, I've got too many things to work on, or I've got this going on, or, or my family is like this, or this is how I grew up. All of a sudden, uh, it's easy for my mind to get flooded with all that stuff that um, will discourage me. Mm-hmm. And bring me down. I guess it's when I say I'm in control, it's almost like I'm telling my own brain like, hey, I get to choose here. Yeah. I get otherwise, to decide. otherwise, I mean, I think essentially what you're saying is like, yes, acknowledge your emotions, but also give yourself an out. Because if you if you live in a place of victimhood, you're giving yourself no out. It basically means that everyone else gets to decide how you feel at any given time. Yeah. Instead of you. And that does not lead to very productive stuff. I mean, I've created some really awesome stuff when when I've been down, but that stuff wasn't necessarily created because I was down. That stuff was created as a release to get out to distract myself from where I was. Mm-hmm. Right? So it was great because creating the art was a little bit of a pattern interrupt. And then for the longest time I was convinced that the only time I was creative was when you were down was when i was down yeah i I went through i went through that also and and you know hindsight i I don't really resonate with a lot of that stuff i created during those times but it was good to release it in that way i think for a lot of people it's really cathartic to be able to do that absolutely Absolutely. jason said i broke my facebook addiction and habit of checking my phone all the time by taking facebook and insta off my phone yes now when i'm done working for the day the cell phone stays in the office that's a great practice that is a great practice jason now i want to talk about uh, another aspect of being slightly unmotivated or not feeling it is like what about when your studio space or your environment itself is like not inspiring to you or you're finding it difficult one of our rogues had been talking about this recently that they have a studio space that's separate from their living space and they're having trouble finding the motivation to be there and really get stuff done. Yeah. And I think part of the problem, possibly, I wouldn't want to spec overly speculate, is that um, they're feeling a lot of pressure to be on point at all times when in that studio space. Right. And and thus not really wanting to go there because it's a lot of pressure. So when my studio space is not inspiring, but my studio space is here in our house, right? Uh, I clean it. I switch it up. I change something that maybe is bothering me. Maybe something that I built in a studio that's not working. Maybe I'll change that around. Uh, it happens. You know, we, I think we, we constantly want to like sh- switch things around a little bit uh, to, to change up our environment or improve our environment. Mm-hmm. But if, if you have a space that's separate and I think, I think with this particular thing that the space is separate so they're paying rent for that space. Right. And so that's where a lot of pressure finances. Um, so money is attached to a lot of weird. It really is. Underlying unconscious emotions that come up. In fact, a lot of the struggles that I have where I get down uh, and maybe are am feeling uncreative or something like that will usually happen as a result of money being involved in, in some way, shape, in some or way form. shape or form, yeah. whether it's lack of money or you're making money from this thing. So you're like, Oh, I've got to respond or you're spending money doing something. Mm-hmm. So like it, it's, we, it's something that I know you and I over the years 
we've we put a lot of attention on our feelings when it comes to anything that is underlying because it is easy to get discouraged um when it comes to money so like in that situation i would say like yeah that might be where the pressure is coming from it's like well i'm paying for the space like i should be doing this or i should right. be more productive and understanding that a creative space a creative space, your time in that environment is meaningful, even if you just are sitting in a comfy chair, looking around at blank canvases and allowing your mind to wander. It's a crucial part of the creative process. I don't know how many of the we've been listening to the Daily Rituals audiobook on and off. It's um, artists and creatives throughout history and what their daily practices were. And s- most of them, like their main daily practice was going for a walk or sitting and staring or visiting. Yeah. Like, and the, some of them were hardcore, like sitting there writing for 12 hours and sleeping for three. That was the minority. Most of these creatives had a lot of imagination time, a lot of me time, if you will, and a lot of social time. And then when they were in their creative space, they were powerhouses. Right. Because they took that time. I mean, one of the greatest uh scientific theoretical breakthroughs that happened was with Einstein with the theory of relativity mm-hmm. right completely upturned and changed some of like the, everything. the, the yeah. dynamics of physics that we understand that didn't come because he was sitting there hardcore working on something that came because he worked at the patent office and he was daydreaming yes yeah and you time. know yeah. and and so einstein really he he believed in the thought experiment he would just sit there play his violin smoke his pipe and he would allow him his mind to wander mm-hmm. and i that is so important to have those moments and those times and to acknowledge them as that's that was one of the reasons that i like to tell people and i and most importantly i like to remind myself that it is impossible to do nothing you are always doing something. Even so, if you're daydreaming. Yeah. So if you are sitting there and you are daydreaming, just do it. Do it consciously. Allow yourself the permission to say, like, this is important. Daydreaming is important. Mm-hmm. Don't believe what the teachers told you in school that were like, stop daydreaming or you get the bad note, uh, you know, and the, the note that goes home to your, your parents telling them that you're a daydreamer. I mean, I got those all the time. So did I, yeah. And honestly, daydreaming is one of my superpowers. And and I believe that anybody that daydreams, it's because they're not caught up in the reality that is around them. They're willing to see something more. Mm-hmm. Jason posted a, a thing on Discord where it showed like a light and a dude was walking. And then there was like the shadow of the light was like a dragon and his shadow was oh. like a knight in shining hour. Yes, I saw that. It was great. And so like, I, I love that kind of stuff. I love daydreaming. I love sitting there and allowing myself to uh, imagine the possibilities. And honestly, when it comes to innovation, thinking outside of the box, not getting wrapped up in the idea that, oh, well, I have to do something. I have to do this because this will, we live in a world where people think that if I do this, then I will get this. And a lot of marketing, obviously I've got, my brain is on marketing right now because of this marketing book. And a lot of marketing says that if you do this thing like this and like this, and you stay consistent, 
that it will lead to this and this and this, and you will make money if you do this, Mm -hmm. but you have to lie to the public. You have to, you have to basically uh, wiggle your way in like a snake. I know for a fact that every single creative out there has such an immense power of thinking outside of the box of imagining new possibilities, new ways, not using these tired uh, manipulative ideas to get their art out there. Mm -hmm. And so like, I think about that, but, but when you're worried about money, then you can't see the possibility. You can't see the possibility. That's what I was going to say is a lot of us just don't give ourselves the chance to, to do the things uh, to explore those avenues because because of desperation and overwhelm and yeah. pressure. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people are worried that they're going to make the wrong decision or they're going to do the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it's one of the things that I've been experiencing with with you and I. You know, we want to go out and travel. We want to we want to uh, set up our mobile studio and go out and and travel around. But yes. at the but at the same time, it's like there's this part of us that's like, well, you know, we want to have a place that we could da, 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 da. So like we've been bouncing back and forth between those two ideas, mm-hmm. the fear there and the thinking of that stuff has been enough to demotivate me sometimes when it comes to creating in the studio. Yeah. Because when you have these choices and these decisions and you're overthinking them and worrying about them, um, it's easy to get demotivated. Yeah, it is. And because I, you get overwhelmed. And I think sometimes it's hard for us to be honest with ourselves about what actually works. Like, so um, as far as the studio space conversation, I know for myself, external studio space, like if I had to drive there, doesn't work for me. Yeah. What works for me is we didn't need a, li- a living room as much as we needed a studio space in our very small apartment. Yeah. So we were like, living room whatever studio space we'll hang out we'll make little nooks to hang out in right that's what works for us i mean in in my mind i'm like this is the most awesome living room that i've ever walked into it's really good that doesn't work for everybody but i think the key is like be honest with yourself about what works for you even if it's scary Right. So what works for us might be mobile studio, even though it's scary. Right. And we would have to downsize. And I I can't figure out how that's going to work. It's like just just have the conversation with yourself and be willing to change something that's not working. Right. Yeah. Right. Because I I think we cling to what we are doing currently because sometimes it feels easier to just keep pushing through. Because it's comfortable. It's comfortable. You know, you understand it. You know it. Um, it's something that you've come to be comfortable. It's a comfort zone, but but kind of like along the lines where I say, just because it's a comfort zone doesn't mean that it's necessarily comfortable. Right. And I think that that's, that's how those habits form as well. They become sort of these comfort zones, right? So like doom scrolling, we were, we were able to kind of stave that off because that's just not part of our it didn't really gain a foothold yeah it's not part of our like for the last 10 years neither one of us have woken up in the morning and been like what's going on in the world today on news you know like we don't do that so 
the fact that it happened for a month and yes, it became a habit and yes, it could have been solidified as a habit, especially like during the second month and feeling like, man, why do I feel like crap all the time? (laughs) And realizing like, Oh, this is, this is the thing that's new. (laughs) That's the variable. That's got the effect going. Jason said, that's why I decided no new car and I'm working on paying the house off then living off my retirement. Yeah. Jason's got a plan. Yeah. He knows what's going to work. I love that. I love that Jason has a plan. I think we've covered a kind of array of things that can be demotivating, that can leave you feeling like you're not feeling it. And some of the things that are underpinning those things that we don't always understand right away. It's so many things, though. It's so many. It's not like in this podcast, we're going to talk about it all. You know, because there are so many things and we all have our own experiences and we all deal with things differently. But at the same time, like there is a similarity there. Like if you're getting pulled away from something that you want to do, it's not the thing itself. And I think that that's where creative block comes in Mm -hmm. because we feel unmotivated to do something. And so immediately because maybe we're not in the best place uh, emotionally, it's easy to attack yourself and say like, I'm just not feeling creative anymore. And then the more you're repeating that to yourself, the more that that becomes what the issue is. Like, I just, I feel uncreative. I've lost my creativity. And so, and in my mind, I'm like, that's kind of a distraction of where the real problem is. The real problem has to do more with you're not feeling inspired or hopeful because Mm -hmm you are maybe in a place where like you're overwhelmed by this or overwhelmed by that. And in that case, the, and, and you've seen me do this sometimes where like, I've got a lot on my plate and I've got this going on and I've got that going on and I'm not feeling so good. And I will say, you know what? I'm going to go for a walk. Yeah. Reset. Yeah. Reset. Emotional reset. Deanne said, sometimes having too many options or choices can make decisions a little more difficult as well. And we really do have unlimited options. Some would require just letting go. That's a really good point, Deanne. And I think that that's important to do every once in a while is to take a look at the things that maybe all the options that you have and whether or not you could combine those and mix them to make the situation easier for yourself, right? Or just eliminate it. Get rid of it. You could always come to it later. What if, if you, you want call to. it, you called it integrate or eliminate. That's yeah. what I'm, he said, that's what I'm doing today or for the next few days. If needs be, I'm going to integrate or eliminate yep. things from yep. this list of things that I do. Yep. And, and I think it's important because a lot of times, man, there are so many things that pop into my psyche that I'm like, I'm going to do this. Right. And eventually when I look down at my motivation for it, like the motivation's not, Uh, You know, it's like, I'm going to do this. And then there might as well be this little voice behind it that's like, because I can make millions, (laughs) you know, (laughs) not not because like I want to create this thing, but it's like money. You know, there's nothing wrong with making money. But at the same time, if your motivation is money. Uh, that's not a good motivator. I have found that it is a horrible motivator for me. It's not really a sustainable motivator. Money's great. I love money because you can do things with it. Yeah. And I always think, okay, well, if I want money, what is it exactly that I'm trying to do? Well, I'm trying to do this thing that I really want to do. Okay. Well, that's, that's the thing that you're trying to do. It's not the money. The money is just a tool. The challenge there is the unconscious, uh, uh, vibe 
that is out in the world or even conscious and spoken vibe in the world that like, well, that's not, that's not going to make money. Yeah. You know, because somebody, if something has not been proven to someone before they see it as an impossibility. And for the most people out there, most people out there are used to, you go to school, you get a job, you work your job, maybe you change your job and then you retire. Right. Right. And other than that, anything else, being a Hollywood actor, that's an impossibility. Do you have any idea how many millions of people fail? Being an artist, that's an impossibility. Do you have any idea how many millions of people fail, right? So it's very surface level stuff. Mm -hmm. And so like when you're sitting in a studio and you're trying to create something and maybe things are not working out financially, that's going to totally discourage you. Then at that point, you're going to get to a place where you're like, what's the point? Right. But if you realize that you have to go a little bit deeper. Yeah. Right. It's not as easy as people tried to become an artist and some of them failed. No, people tried to do something that it's not necessarily accepted as a norm in society. Right. And so they went into it feeling insecure, feeling like this was an impossibility and they gave up. Yeah. Right. It wasn't that they failed. They gave up. And like that's that's where. That's where that whole idea of the structure of society kind of comes from. And that's why people get discouraged as kids to become artists, mm-hmm. because they're looking at everything from a very surface level place. If a guy could make millions selling a pet rock, if somebody could make millions selling some uh, selling spandex underwear that make you look thin. Sure. You know, like. You could you could sell anything out there. And if you have something as powerful and as meaningful as the art you create, how could you ever discourage yourself by saying that it, it doesn't matter? I'm not good enough. You know, and I think that that's the other part, too, that the people that sold the arts, the art that sells for million, those are the great masters. Right. Mm-hmm. They call them the masters. Right. You know what makes them a master? The fact that today we call them masters. Right. You know, there are there are some Picasso paintings where like you could still see the canvas. And I'm like, oh, this isn't even done. <laughs> and that's that's the, the critical side of me because I have a really hard time leaving canvas sure. blank. Yeah, I know it is. It is uh, a, a hard spot for you. But it, but it's but it's interesting because like, man, we've got something powerful to put out there. And being an artist is just as much of a possibility as succeeding in anything. Yeah. Like in anything. I mean, if you want to talk statistics and probabilities, yes, there's no reason why (laughs) this career would be any more impossible than any other career. But you have to keep yourself out of desperation and survival mode. Because the, the, the motivation for creation either goes away or becomes wrapped up in something else. I'm going to create these things because they're going to make money. And I'm not saying that in the very beginning, if you know, like in our case, uh, there are points where, I mean, I did signs for like two weeks, right? Cause I was like, Oh, signs. I could make some money with signs. Yeah. And we and like did, food. Food is good. Yeah. We bought some food. I did signs for two weeks, but then I did something that you, w- I wouldn't do if I was, simply motivated by money 
after two and a half weeks of creating signs, I was like, I hate creating signs. Mm -hmm. And I was getting people, uh, people were commissioning me to do signs and stuff like that. And I realized that like, I don't want to be known as the sign artist. Right. That's not the legacy that I want to leave behind. I hate doing these signs. Why am I for this? I might as well go sit in a cubicle somewhere. Like, I don't want to do this. And someone would look at that and be like, well, you're an idiot because you're making money doing signs. Yeah. And I was like, no, because I making money with this right now, that's a short term solution. Mm -hmm. Making money with this and then eventually being miserable and wishing I wasn't stuck doing what I was doing. I was just not willing to do that with my art. I would rather uh, eat ramen a little bit longer. Yeah. Ramen's good. Ramen noodle Ramen soup is, is good. good. I can't believe we got through this whole podcast without saying the word for chunking one time. I know. Fachunking. Fachunking has been one of the tools in the toolbox that has gotten me through most of my hurdles, uh, which is uh, most of you know what fachunking is, but for the rest of you guys, it's basically just giving yourself a small increment of time to do one thing. Let me just do this one thing creatively. Yeah. Just one thing, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. I'm going to do this one thing. You know, it's funny because when we did the video on for chunking, someone was like, well, it takes five minutes for me to pull my paints out. Great. Then like, do it for 15 minutes. Yeah. Then yeah. do it for 15 minutes. I'm like, really? Just get it started. Just get it started. Give yourself five minutes. You give yourself five minutes. You take away the pressure of having to sit there and complete. Because I know that when I get overwhelmed by a particular work of art it's kind of like when we did the the happy art tour right so here i am i'm building five animatronic sculptures there's a lot of steps to this process yeah behemoth of a project and i remember you were working on the the tree the firefly room and you were like you were getting overwhelmed yeah and you asked me you were like how are you not getting overwhelmed by this yeah. And I told you because I'm just focused on the next step. Not the whole thing. Not the whole thing. You said you can't think about the whole thing. You don't know what you're going to do when you get there yet. Just find the next thing that you need to do and do it. And yeah. that 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 was really, I mean, that's for chunking. Yeah. And that's what made the installation happen because otherwise it was like emotional falling apart yeah it was a six month long project there is no way that you could predict step by step by step what you're going to do because you're not following directions you're writing the directions right we set ourselves up to create we're artists so we create these new things we we play around uh on discord there was a question from Corey. who was like what would happen you know if i mix watercolor with whatever and i'm like just do it just do it i mix everything I mix everything. I mix, yeah, I mix things that you're not supposed to mix. The painting that we have in the room is ink, uh, Indian ink with acrylics, enamels, and watercolor. And I, I think there's some latex paint thrown in there as well. It's like, quite beautiful. Yeah. Experiment vigorously, as I like to say. I know that when I'm not feeling motivated, that there's something else going on there that that I really do need to take a look at. That's been my experience, too. And you're not going to go from really sad or feeling really down to excited. Like yeah. most people don't make that hard pivot. but. No. Um, just working in the direction of how you want to feel. How do I want to feel? Yeah. Baby steps, baby steps. I mean, listen, we live our lives and we take baby steps towards the direction that we want to get to. Yeah. And we never get it done anyway. So 
We just take the baby steps while while we're enjoying our lives on this mortal coil. Indeed. And uh, and I guess that's it. And I want to thank everybody for listening to this live podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, if you have any comments or things like that that you'd like to add as far as feeling unmotivated and what you might do to get yourself motivated and back in the mood of creating, go ahead and leave that in whatever comment section there is. And again, thank you so much for listening. You guys are absolutely amazing. I adore you. And if you like this and you want to subscribe to this podcast, go ahead and click somewhere around here to subscribe. And I guess that's it. You want to say goodbye, Clee? Good day. Adios. Adios.